No, I didn't actually attempt. Um, I haven't gotten to that point, I guess. The courage, the strength that it takes to be open and honest about this. Instead of just, you know, blaming myself that he's not here anymore. Uh, I was prepared to shoot myself. And I called my family to sort of say goodbye. To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help because I was like, this could totally ruin my career. Somebody to have a more proactive approach and that he was coming to me to be that person. They found him and he committed suicide. I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Hello everyone, I am Tim Lawson, host and founder of the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Podcast and Project. This week's story comes to us from Navy veteran Tori Oots, who talks to us about her multiple attempts of suicide. She uh, she tells she admits to uh, attempting suicide five times, fortunately unsuccessful each time, and can share with us uh, the experiences that she went through uh, with sexual assault and other troubles in the Navy uh, that that led to her attempts, and uh, it's just a, it's really it's an, it's a powerful story because Tori uh, is very honest about um, you know searching for the right combination of prescription pills and you know letting herself go down that road and attempt and adjust and attempt and. Uh, you know, what what it was to experience that sort of behavior. So, without further ado, here is Navy veteran Tori Oots. I had my first suicide attempt on June 9th of 2012. Um, I had been attached to the Stennis for about six months, about, and I was not working in my parent division or if you're an army guy, it wasn't my parent unit. Why were you suicidal? I don't really know if there's, like, a logical answer for it, but... Um, I guess, yeah, you're right. I mean, what, um, what events do you think, um, sort of rooted this behavior and these emotions? Um, well, while I was not in my parent division, I was being sexually harassed by my supervisor, and I was cranking in the wardroom. And since my supervisor was the only supervisor there that wasn't an officer, I didn't know who to go to <laughs> for to solve the problem. Yeah. And and you obviously can't just you know go up to an officer and be like, hey, this guy's doing this. So. I mean, I'm pretty sure, no, I, you know, that's what triggered it and stuff, so. Sure. Um, so, so tell me, tell me about your first suicide attempt then. What, um, and what was that experience like? How did, you know, what, what led up to it and, you know, what was the attempt like? Things had just got really bad where I was working and it was to the point where, um, I knew the next step that was going to happen, I wasn't really going to like. 
I don't know. I just got into my head that I should OD on some pills. And I had just gotten my wisdom teeth take, taken out a couple months before that. And I still had some Tylenol 3 left, which is codeine. Um, and throughout the whole day, I, it was just, you know, all I could think about. And so I went home to the barracks room and pretty much had made up my mind at that point and started ODing in my barracks room, but getting ready like I was going to wake up the next morning. So I got in the shower and I got out of the shower and I took some more and then... Um, then my friends started um, started trying to get a hold of me, and when they couldn't get a hold of me, they kind of started to freak out because I usually always answer the phone. So uh, by the time that I finally answered the phone, I was already uh, was already laying on the ground uh, in my barracks room, half passed out. My friend was like, you need to get to my house or I'm going to come to you. And I was like, no, I can't get to your house. And she was like, why not? And I was like, because I can't drive. And she thought I had been drinking. And I hadn't. By the time I finally got to her house, I had to have one of my other friends take me there. And it took them a couple hours to figure out that I had uh, OD'd, so I was really uh, hurting by that time. And by the time they figured it out, they rushed me to the ER. The ER people weren't even, like, concerned about it at first. They were like, wait, what? And uh, one of my friends had to, like, pick me up and walk me to the back of the room of the ER and set me in the bed because I had passed out. And then uh, when the people in the ER figured out what was going on, they placed IVs in, in and uh, they didn't pump my stomach, but they gave me a medicine to where I'd throw up and then called the uh, on-call psychologist. Then they assigned a suicide watch which, you know, that's kind of pointless after the fact, but... Right. <laughs> um, so you said this was your, your first time attempting. Um, how many attempts have you had? Five. Um, are they, were they all under the same means of overdosing? Yes. D do you feel like the first attempt, like, did it scare you at all? Like, when you woke up the next day or when you finally recovered, like, did it scare you what you had, what you had done, or were you just... You just well that didn't work, and the next time you tried it again. No, it didn't. It didn't really scare me actually. Like after I stayed in the hospital for three days, and then they sent me back on the ship, and they were like, "All right, good luck here. Go back to work." And then I went back out to sea, and a month after that, we deployed again. So I mean, nobody gave me a psych evaluation, or well, I mean, technically the dentist did, but. Uh, there was like no ongoing therapy or anything, and so they just 
they treated it like no big deal, so I pretty much was like, all right, well, if it's not a big deal with these guys, then I'm just going to continue on about my life, so. Right. Was, how long, so what was the, what's the time span across these five attempts? It was another, it was another six months before my next attempt. And was the sexual harassment still occurring? Um, no, I was back in my parent division at the time. So I was like actually doing my job and um, I was going to be a fully qualified airman and have my air pin and whatnot. Like, I was doing well. Were there any other traumas that were occurring between attempts or do you feel like you were suffering from the same mental issues as, as from the first one? There was a incident while we were in Port Dubai for Christmas of 2012 that pretty much just triggered all the rest of everything else. Like if that incident wouldn't have happened, I would still be in the Navy. Do you, would you mind telling us about the incident? On the 26th of December 2012, uh, I was standing watch since it was my duty day. And um, I had a uh, supervisor follow me to a very closed, secluded place and sexually assault me. So three days after that was my second suicide attempt. Did you report the incident? I did. And, and how, and what was the unit's response? What was, whose response? The unit, like the, who you, who you reported it to. Nobody really knew about it until we were underway again. So my unit didn't really have a response. <laughs> like, did you like attempt and just was unsuccessful and woke up the next day and went on? Or did someone find you? Did you have to talk to someone about it? Was anybody aware? Um... I went up to my workstation overdose trying to figure out where I was supposed to be. Uh, they put me on a piece of machinery and I ended up passing out while I was on stand. I had told them I just hadn't eaten eaten in a you know a couple of days or whatever and just wasn't feeling good and right pretty much they were going to buy it until uh, my first class and a second class who had known about my last uh, or my first attempt came in and took me down to medical and that's how they found out. Do you, so you, so you see you attempted five times um, all through the, all attempted through overdosing. Um, Forgive me for how cynical of a question this is, but like, what? Why weren't you taking enough each time? Like, did you do you do you feel like you were increasing your odds of succeeding, or do you feel like you were going through the motions of overdosing um, to sort of use as a placebo, in that you were doing something to try to eliminate the pain? The second time. It was more just, you know, whatever I had at hand and when, you know, that's not really a lot Yeah. when you're underway. 
the last three times I was on shore and really it was just, it was working, working out combinations. Like the last, the very last suicide attempt, I should have been dead. How, how long has it been since your, since the fifth attempt? How long ago was that? Uh, it was in June of 2013. Um, how many of them were while you were in, and then how many after after you got out? All of them were while I were in. Okay, so you were you were in the. So are you currently in? No. No. Okay. So I mean, how do you feel now? Do you feel the same way you did on attempt two, three, four, five? I mean, is there? Are you recovering? Do you still wonder like if those urges are going to come back? Like, how are you feeling now? Um, they, they do still come back. It's kind of something that I struggled with for a really long time. And I guess, you know, it's, it was just one of those things that I never really did. First, like, you know, as a teenager for some reason, just because of the situations I were in at home. But, um, I mean, they, they still happen even though. I'm not in the military, but yeah. uh, I'm on like three different antidepressants on an anti or on a, yeah anti nightmare medication and um, can you, sleep medication. Can you tell it? Have you noticed a difference between your attitude and your thought process from before taking the antidepressants and now? Yes, actually. Okay. Um, it definitely, it keeps me from, like, hitting the bottom, like, the very, like, I can still hit low on, with the medication, but it keeps me from hitting the extreme low, you know, to where, like, I do say F it, and, you know, I don't. So it's like, don't, a, it's like a safety net from the floor, then. Right. And. I don't drink anymore as well, which also helps. That does help. Are you seeing any sort of personal counseling? Uh, I am. I'm about to lose that though, which doesn't make me happy. So why are you gonna? Why are you about to lose that? Um, because I'm gonna lose Tricare, and my doctor is a Navy doctor, and so when I lose Tricare, I lose him. Kind of sucks. Yeah, are you gonna do anything to remedy that? Like, are you gonna seek any any help from anybody else? Or well, I was talking to the VA hospital down in Tacoma, and they pretty much told me they don't do one on one. They just do uh, group sessions, okay. and while sessions are you know great and all, there's just some things that I'm not gonna be you know super open about with the group. It's just. And plus, in a group, everybody has the right to their time, and you know. Right. So if you if you if you go there with a loaded mind, you don't get you don't necessarily get to vent everything, um, because everybody has op needs the opportunity to speak, and yeah, of course. What are you What are you doing now? Like with it, like in your life, like how have you like you know now that you're out of the military, you know what's you know what's your daily like? What are you doing for you? Uh, right now I'm going to school. A little bit challenging. It was more challenging than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> sure. Where are you going to school? Um, Olympic College. What are you What are you pursuing? Uh, right now, I'm just pursuing my associate's degree through Olympic College, and then I'll transfer to a four year school, and I'm probably going to do law. 
Okay. Why do you want to do law? Because of what happened to me in the Navy, actually. <laughs> so you, okay. So do you, you want to be like um, a litigator or you, what do you want to, what, what part of the case do you want to, to be a part of? More on the criminal side or maybe on the legislative side. Are you gonna are you gonna try to go jag or are you gonna stay in the civilian sector? Uh, I don't know if they'll let me go jag. Okay. I'm not sure. If they would, that'd be co- that would be you know. Have you done anything um to I mean have you done anything um sort of public service wise on like connecting with other uh, victims um to to sort of help cope or have you have you not been able to make that step yet? Um, yeah, not really. I mean, I, I go to AA and NA meetings, and sometimes you meet people through that avenue, but as, like, you know, going out and actually seeing specific groups, I have not done that yet. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you, what do you feel like one of the bigger steps that you've been able to make in the past few years has been? What it, what has been like a, a real success in your um in your you know journey away from this trauma and this behavior? Well, probably recently, um, I just got an internship, learn how to run my own business and stuff. Okay. Which is super big for me, a because I mean I don't particularly care for business, but it's one of those things that was pretty much too good to pass up. Right. And then um, B, because ever since all that has happened, I'm I'm not very social anymore. Like, I just, you know, I don't like to go anywhere by myself if I don't have to. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's definitely going to be something that will push me to do more stuff and to be more out there. How do you how do you feel like the military handles the the epidemics that are abundant right now of sexual assault and suicide? Uh they don't handle it. How often if any was your division or your unit um given any sort of suicide prevention briefings? I would say probably once a year. Do you do you feel like they communicated any real resolution no it was pretty much the standard you know don't kill yourself and ask talk to to someone who's going to yeah yeah you think your friend is acting funny ask him if he wants to kill himself like yeah Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately it doesn't work like that right um do you i know this is like you know this is sort of a complicated answer and or, or a complicated question there may not be an answer to it because if you could answer this and um you know maybe uh, you know, there'd be bigger steps taken, but like, you know, think about attempt number one and two, like, what did you need? Like, what, is there any, is there any sort of like emotional assistance that any human being could have given you to help derail you from that? Apparently, I mean, as Navy protocol, they're, they were supposed to like send me down to Madigan for a full blown like psych review and that never happened. So that very possibly, you know, all the rest of that possibly could have been avoided if, you know, they just would have taken the time to send me down to 
Madigan and been like, oh, hey, she suffers from depression. Here's some, you know, antidepressants, and there you go. Did you suffer from depression before you were in the Navy? Uh, yes. Was that documented at all during your service or before you went in MEPS, anything like that? It was not. Okay. Do you feel like your, do you feel like the event that occurred, do you think that added on top or do you think it replaced? Like, what do you think that did to the depression you were already um, suffering from? Um, it, it definitely, it, it added on top, like a whole different layer, you yeah. know? Because now, now, you know, I've got PTSD, which is a whole different, you know, area. But, you know, now I'm not sleeping or yeah. now because I'm not sleeping, I'm drinking and, you know, all this other stuff. So have you have you dated since uh, since the event? Uh, I have. You know, how how is this compl- has this complicated your relationships at all? Yes. <laughs> Yes, it has. Um, what's been? I mean, what's like? What's a significant thing that you can you can mention on that? On how the, how uh, both the event, the depression, your behavior, how that's complicated your dating life. I randomly cry sometimes. The person that I was dating just like he didn't understand why or why I was angry right. for no random reason, and then when I would tell him, it didn't make sense to him. And, and then, you know, trying to explain that is like trying to explain a foreign language to somebody, right. you know, well, it doesn't, it means nothing to them, but, you know, like certain gestures and things or waking up with nightmares, you know, it's just all that stuff is, you, you can't, you can't make somebody understand that. You can't explain to somebody why, you know, not remembering how we got into, you know, this situation is a bad thing and why you're mad about it. And when he's like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. And why don't you remember this? And I was like, I don't know, but this is not okay. (laughs) What was your social life like then, you know, around the time of of the assault? I was very, very upbeat. Very, kind of, I was more extroverted, I guess you could say, like, I like to hug people and, you know, just make people laugh and stuff, and I don't let people touch me hardly at all anymore. Right. One of my friends, uh, when she got back from deployment, she was like, you want to know how I knew something was wrong with you? And I was like, what? She goes, because you didn't come up and give me a giant hug like you always do. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, sorry. It's kind of, I don't. So, I mean, I've become a lot more introverted since. Right. Uh, Yeah, so you and I connected um, via, you know, a Facebook page. Um, that's dedicated to suicide prevention and the silent war in the military. And I mean, how how has that been? Like, I the the first post that I saw in that group was from you and from you know a crisis scene that you had and, and aid that you got from the group and the people that you live with. And I mean, how how has that Facebook group helped if it if it at all? Uh, I think it's a good idea. I feel like veterans understand each other. 
and when half of them have PTSD and, you know, they can't explain it to, you know, their significant others or whatever, and they can't explain to pretty much anybody why they feel like they should go off themselves. Yeah. Uh, it's a good, it's a good thing to have, you know, some place where they can go and be like, hey, this is kind of what's going on, and I feel like I should go, you know, do this. And then people can be like, okay, well, I understand why you feel like that, but you should probably not do that. So some, something that we that I shared on, on, on the One Too Many Facebook page the other day is a quote that we got from, from Dr. Clemens, and she said that most people who are suicidal don't actually want death, they just want to stop the pain. Um, do you feel like that resonates with with what you're experiencing? I would agree. That would be a fair, fair judgment. You know, so, I mean, so, I mean, if someone could tell you, you know, I have this, I have this thing that I can, you know, I I have this system, this treatment that I can put you through and it'll stop the torment. Um, and you don't have, you won't have to consider killing yourself anymore. I mean, that would be opt. What sense of hope are you looking for from treatments and from, um, therapy and stuff like that. I mean, are you seeking out different ways or are you sort of just trying to take what, what's given to you and what's working? Obviously, what I have been doing is not <laughs> not getting me anywhere. You know, a lot of people when they when they, when they come talk to me and, and I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, that people are so willing to talk about it because obviously, this is not an easy topic to talk about and um, I mean, it, you know, I, I know it feels vulnerable to some people and you know, when they come into this conversation, I think they have some, they have something on their mind that they're hoping to get across or they assume that they're going to mention. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you would sort of like to get across about the epidemic of veteran suicide and suicidal behavior and that's in these mental issues? The people who are suicidal or have, you know, mental illnesses or whatever, they're, they're not, they're not defective or crazy or anything. They're just, they don't know what to do. <laughs> right. You know, it's not... I feel like there's such a negative stigma around, you know, suicide and how selfish is that and blah, blah, blah. And it's not meant to be selfish most of, most of the time. Like, I know every, t- every time I did it, it wasn't meant to be like, F you guys, I'm going to go do this. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Like it definitely wasn't like that. It was it was something completely different. So there's such a horrible rep with people in the military who have depression or have they just suffer from anything. PTSD is a big one too. Like you come back from war and you're not messed up. What? You just you went to war. Like if you come back the same, I think you're scarier than the people who came back messed up. You should not be the same after war. <laughs> sure. No, absolutely. That's, that's a really great point. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not something to be afraid of. I'm very, I'm very grateful that, that Tori was willing to come forward and, and talk to me about her, her story. And, uh, just like all the other stories, it's just, it's so, it's so moving to hear the honesty that comes from uh, that comes from my guests and uh, to try to understand where they were uh, when they experienced suicidal behavior 
or what it was like to be a bystander or to know someone that that took their own lives. It's something that is even for me as someone who has experienced suicidal behavior and who has attempted suicide. Uh, you know, I hear plenty of stories where I, I'm like, wow, I don't, I can't imagine going through that. And I think what that really speaks on is how each story is unique and each experience is different. So there's not just, there's not one answer. Uh, there's not even one set of answers, I don't think, to how do we get, how do we understand suicide? How do we prevent suicide, uh, you know, from happening? Because so many people, you know, we all experience different things. Uh, that we handle in different ways, and that that leads us differently uh, to the idea of suicide. And uh, you know, with with Tori, it, it was um, sexual assault and um, you know other personal struggles that she was going through. Uh, for myself, it was uh, philosophy and and self value. Uh, for you know, for others, it has been, you know, trouble with transitioning out of the military. It's been pre-military family issues that uh, that came back to torment them during their service. There's so many different things. And, you know, even with uh, even with combat, you can't even say that, you know, you know, some some guys get back from combat and they're clearly uh, they're clearly bothered by it, but they still uh, hold strong. And then it's something else that that pushes them over the edge, whereas Others, you know, they they experience something maybe what we'd consider to be less significant while they were overseas, but comes back and ends up being detrimental. So, you know, it's and one thing I thought was really really important that Tori pointed out that you know if you go to war you're going to come back different, you know, and if you don't that's that's surprising. You know, it's uh, it's surprising to think that someone could go to war and experience combat and come back um, completely unchanged. So. Uh, I, I think there's something, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in coming back and having a different perception on the world or just, you know, naturally being a, a differently developed person because of your experiences. I just recently uh, chatted with, with Tori uh, over Facebook, and uh, I was very excited to, to hear that she uh, she has not attempted suicide again since we last spoke, which is, which is awesome. I, I hope that she is continuing to mend her wounds and and grow personally and spiritually and emotionally and being able to uh you know take uh every challenge in stride and uh, and continue to uh you know to to continue to succeed in the battle against suicidal behavior so really excited uh to have heard that from her if you have a story you would like to share here on the project i've had a couple people reach out to me recently and, and i'm so honored that people uh, are, are coming forward and sharing their stories, you can go to one too many project.com. That's O N E, the number two, many project.com. And there's a start here button to get familiar with the project. There, all the, all the, the shows are in the main feed right there. And there's other uh, menu options to, uh, to, to get more, to discover more of, of what we're doing. But you can email me as well, Tim Lawson21 at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to share your story, if you have a question to ask, if you just want to give me some feedback, if you disagree with something that maybe I may have said uh, here on the show, you can write me an email, and I'd be, I'd be more than honored to, to talk with you and, and address something here on the show. Um, and if you're just specifically looking to ask a question, one too many project.com slash ask has a device right there for you to, uh, to record 
a question for me to answer. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back later with momentary reflections and a Q&A this week. 